Well, hey, good morning, Restoration Church. How are you today? Uh, you should be, honestly, you should be great because last weekend it was negative 50 and then yesterday it was 50. So that's a 100 degree swing. I don't know if you're aware of that. That's, I mean, there's, you should worship today. I mean, people should have been standing on the chairs. We should have been having tambourines and, and ribbons and flags out because of that weather change. And I heard there's a chance it might even hit 60 degrees this week. So, um, you know, time to dust off the bathing suit and to, to be tanning or something. It's work on that, work on that. Beach bod. Um, couple, uh, a couple of things before we jump into the word today that I just wanted to update you on. Uh, first, last week we started Wednesday nights. We shifted everything to Wednesday nights, and uh, over 70 people were in a freedom circle across all our locations, which is absolutely amazing. 70 people showed up. So if you missed the first week because you were sick or because you forgot, and like, I'm supposed to be doing something today. What is it? Uh, you, one, like you haven't missed it, but if you didn't get a chance to join one, if you do that today, that gives us enough time to print your workbook, and, the, and that takes some work. The workbook is 200 pages to cover you through this series, and then week one has a video you have to watch, so that'll give you a chance to watch that before you show up for the, the, the discussion. If you haven't had a chance to get into a freedom group, today's probably your last day, and you'll have to wait till next year. Our circles are groups that meet at the church and also in homes, so we've got the Freedom Circles. We've got a bunch of other ones going on as well, and you can check that at the Next Steps area, at the New Here area, or through the Church Center app or online. Uh, it's different. Figure out where you can get in, how you can meet some friends, how you can grow in your relationship with God. The other thing is that this Thursday night, we have our... Uh, finally, a missions team leaving the country to head to Africa. This was a trip that was originally supposed to leave in June of 2020, and they're finally leaving. Uh, finally, all the pieces have worked out together, and so they're taking off Thursday night. So you want to pray for that team. There are 11 people from the church that are heading out Thursday night, and so be praying for that this week, which leads me into our next opportunity We've got a Cuba mission trip that is on the calendar. Uh, we're traveling with missionary Paul Duda, helping him. He's continually building churches. That's what he does nonstop, building churches, building churches. So in October, we'll be jumping in uh, on whatever phase of construction they're in on, uh, on probably a number of churches, and that will be happening that week. There is a chance, if you're looking at your schedule, that we might have to leave the, the 13th and overnight in Miami in order to get that flight to Cuba the next morning, but we'll know that further on. There's a limited space on that trip. We can take 10 people, all right? So if you want to go, I see that, I see the hand. Uh, if you want to go, uh, you want to get in on that today. And uh, if you're brand new to the church and I've never ever spoken with you before, we'll have to have a conversation because I want to make sure you're not trying to flee the country and using our <laughs> missions trip as your opportunity. So... Uh, but that's happening that. So th those are a couple of things. Now this series, last week was Next Gen Takeover and we had three students start us off in that series. And our key verse in this series is Romans 12, two. And I'll read that for you right now. 
says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. And in this series, we're talking about having a new mind, changing the way we think about and then fill in the blank. And last week, the students talked to us and taught us, change the way you think about yourself. And if you'll let God transform you and you'll begin to believe what he says in his word about you, you'll be transformed internally, mentally, to then all the other activities of your life. Thinking changes behavior. Now, this is kind of a simultaneous part. You've You've got to believe what God says about you. You've got to think new in areas of your life. But thinking just doesn't make you a different person. Because again, like there's a lot of jokes and memes like, oh, if I think I'm 20, if I think I'm rich, am I rich? Like, no, obviously that doesn't happen. But if you have a poverty mentality, that will affect you in your life. But if you begin to think, well, what does God say about my finances? What does God say about uh, you know, what does his word say about, am I going to be poor and poverty and lack the rest of my life? And you begin to think about that, and all of a sudden now, you've given God an opportunity to move in your life. The, the, challenge, the students last week, which they did great, uh, Benaya, Emma, and Asher, if you didn't get a chance to hear their sermon, you can check out last week's message. But they there were three different things that they had thought about themselves that they allowed God to change. They thought they weren't good enough, they thought they were flawed, and they thought they were unsuccessful. And if you think negatively about yourself, if you think negatively about God, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And instead, we need to think of ourselves according to what God says about us. And this series has the possibility, not just that you'll be transformed, but that your entire life and your entire, even your family tree can be transformed because you've allowed God to change the way you think. Today, our conversation is this. Change the way you think about purity. Change the way you think about purity. Uh, what is that? Because that brings us, depending on, on how old you are, depending on if you grew up in church culture or not, you can have different definitions. So, I, let's work through a definition here. First, purity means more than sexuality. Certainly that's an aspect of it, but that is when we talk about purity, one of the first things we need to do when we think about changing the way we think about purity is not to limit it to only that part of our life. It includes that part of our life, but it is much bigger. Being pure in, within scripture has this overarching theme of being without sin. We need to change the way we think about purity because it's not just having maybe this part of our life okay and no other part of our life okay. It is being without sin. The definition defines it like this, which will be helpful as we're trying to work through this message. To be pure means to be unmixed with any other matter free from dust, dirt, or taint, spotless, stainless, pure. In scripture, 
It talks about having purity in a variety of different areas. One famous scripture found in James chapter one talks about having pure religion. If you have pure religion, then uh, pure religion in the sight of God means people who care for orphans and widows in their distress and they refuse to let the world corrupt themselves. Pure religion. I think probably most of us have experienced unpure religion. We had nothing to do with Jesus. It had nothing to do with the good news. It had nothing to do with his care and concern for those people who are lost and without hope. It has been about the colors of the carpet. It has been about the factions. It's been about preferences. It has not been about him and his mission. It talks in 2 Timothy 2.22 about having a pure heart. And Paul writes to Timothy, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And again, you see he's talking about just much more than just sexuality, though that is included. He's talking to a young, single pastor. He says, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Those who are our best friends, those who are our closest friends, are they people who have pure hearts? Other areas, Hebrews 13, 14 talks about a pure marriage bed. Psalm 119 talks about a pure life. Psalm 12, 6 talks about pure words. James 3, 17 talks about pure wisdom. And Hebrews 9, 14 talks about pure conscience. Purity. Purity. It is a much bigger area, and it affects much more than just the teenagers. We think that purity is a conversation for, for, for adolescents. But it's a conversation for every follower of Jesus. So purity communicates wholeness. Not partially one thing and partially another. Wholeness. The Bible uses the term pure to speak about gold in Revelation chapter 21. And it's talking about lack of blemish. But it's also talking about gold Pure gold is nothing but gold. To its very molecular infrastructure, it is only gold. It is not mixed with anything else. And when we talk about, and think about this, if you buy, your, you, you, you buy someone you love a, a gold ring or a, a, a gold car, you know, if Mr. Beast is buying someone a gold car, he's not saying, hey, this is a gold alloy. It's, it's gold, but also it's even better because it's mixed with lead and aluminum. Like, this is great. You're like, wow, that's kind of a bummer. I've got you this engagement ring. Oh, is it gold? Partially. Partially. But I've discovered something even better. No, that diminishes if it's not purely gold, then what is it? But it's not really valuable to us at all. When we talk about changing the way we think about purity, wholeness, whole being, whole life, we have to start thinking about, are there parts of my life 
where there's not purity, where I have one part God, one part scripture, but another part my own ideas. One part of what God wants, one part of what I want, one part of of Christianity, one part of my old religion, one part of what God says and, uh, and what the Bible says and one part what the world says. We end up with a spiritual alloy, a spiritual mixture that then, because you've mixed it and combined it with other ingredients, it becomes worthless. There's a famous saying in, uh, in Christianity that you may have heard before, where it says, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. If you take Jesus and say, Jesus is the way to be saved, and you have to have a high and tight haircut. If you're a man, you got long hair, too bad, ain't gonna work for you. You have to, your haircut matters too. Well, then you don't have faith in Jesus, you have faith in your haircut. Jesus plus a worship style, Jesus plus a hymn book, Jesus plus a translation of the Bible, then you, you've developed some sort of ally, alloy, some sort of impurity, some sort of mixture that then causes you to miss out on what is truly beautiful and what is truly powerful. Now, let me connect some dots for you because for right now, what I'm going to say next is going to all of a sudden click a whole bunch of things for you. Going to make a whole bunch of things that didn't make sense before make sense now. The Old Testament, so the Bible is split up into two sections. The Old Testament, that's the part that was written before Jesus, and the New Testament was the part that was written after Jesus. There's about a 400-year span between the, between the last writing of the Old Testament and the first writing of the New Testament. When you read the Old Testament, parts of it are kind of confusing. And you read it like, man, God just seems like kind of a jerk. When they're told to take the promised land, and it's get rid of every Canaanite, get rid of them all. Every single one, get rid of them, banish them, don't. And then they like, well, come on, God, you just don't understand the economics of this. We can actually do something pretty useful with this. Was it because God was racist? Was it because God was prejudiced? And that's what we might think. But it had nothing to do with it. It had to do with purity. God, would, when, what God was saying, hey, the Canaanites, they've got to leave it's because he's saying, this people that I've called to represent me to the world, they have to only be my people. If I'm going to show the beauty of the kingdom of God, it can't be part the kingdom of God and part the kingdom of the Canaanites. There can't be a blending. This is going to be a visual representation to the world of who I am, of what I do, and what it is like to serve me and follow me. So it was about purity. When in scripture, when he's telling them, tear down idols, tear down those poles of idols, tear down those altars to those false gods, it was about purity. You can't trust in me and also trust in these other gods. You can't trust in me and also include these other these other worship practices, because if you do that, then you haven't followed me at all. And everybody's, and we still do this today, we try to have, 
We try to just make sure that we've diversified our faith. Our faith is not like our retirement fund. As soon as you say, well, I trust God, but I also trust the horoscope. I trust God, but I also trust the, the Quran. I trust God, and I also trust these uh, these prayer beads, or as soon as you say, I, I, I give God my whole heart and I give these other parts a place in my heart as well, then what you have now is not valuable. Our faith in Jesus is only beautiful and valuable and worth something to you when our faith is only in Jesus. Change the way you think about purity causes you to rethink a lot of different areas in your life. It says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. What does the culture say about purity? Even if we just look at that on sexual purity, we say, well, that's kind of old fashioned, that's irrelevant, that's impossible, that's improbable. That's stupid. Why did I come to church today to hear about that? Well, that's certainly a part. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you're, but, but, but you're not going to listen to the commands on, on how we use our sexuality to worship and honor God. I follow Jesus, and I think these parts of Scripture are only for the teenagers, not for people who've already been married before and now are dating as they prepare for a second or third marriage. It's for teenagers, but I could never, like, I could never do that. We have to be able to trust him with everything. Jesus has a promise for us that he talked about in Matthew chapter 5. It's in his Sermon of the Mount, which was his first big public sermon. Said a lot of different things in there, but one kind of interesting thing he said, he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed of those who have purity through and through. That in their heart, they're not divided. In their heart, they're not saying one thing and doing another thing. In their, in their heart, they're not saying, I will follow you, Jesus, but then they're saying, but I've got my own passions, pleasures, desires, and activities that I'm gonna participate in as well. I want to read you this scripture. It's in John, 1 John chapter 3. And if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. And so at all of our locations, if you go out to that new here step, they'll give you a Bible for free. And we want you to have a physical copy of the Bible. And if you don't have one with you, don't feel bad about that. You can Google that, 1 John chapter 3, um, and follow along with me. But I'll also have that here on the screen for you. John, one of the disciples of Jesus, wrote this. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And what's our theme for this year? Like Jesus. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Now, this series, we easily could have titled it Like Jesus, just like our January series, because we're trying to think like Jesus about ourselves. Today, we're trying to be pure like Jesus, 
you know, he's our example. We want to live like him. We want to be like him. So in our lives and in our hearts, we want to be pure like him. If you are going to be pure like Jesus, then the, I got a timer here, just so you know, it's told me that I've gone 19 minutes over time. That's got to be some sort of practical joke. There's no way. But anyway, if I have, tough luck. A uh, couple things about purity. Sexual purity, religious purity, pure in heart, pure in speech, pure wisdom. Purity is on purpose. It does not happen on accident. To make something pure gold, it is on purpose. Someone's deliberately making a decision to make that pure gold. To take away all the impurities out of it. To separate all the impurities out of it. If you're going to follow God in purity, it is on purpose. It is a decision you make on purpose. Didn't we sing that this morning? You're turning over tables. You're cleaning out the dirt. We're allow, when we're singing that, we're allowing him to do that in our hearts and our mind. Jesus, please turn, ta- flip tables over wrong thoughts that I have. Clean out dirt that's in my heart of things I'm thinking that are wrong, that are impure, of ways that I'm taking old parts of my life and trying to merge it in with Christianity. Clean it all out. It happens on purpose. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Pure heart. Pure heart, deliberately guarding it, protecting it. When we're, when we're on, a, uh, uh, on a, a Netflix uh, scrolling session and we're trying to find that next series to binge, we're deliberately choosing what we're going to watch or not. We're not going to accidentally fall into impurity. We're going to deliberately guard our hearts against impurity. But this is just beyond, just beyond sexual sin as well. We need to address the deeper heart issues that lead to sin, that lead to sexual struggles, that lead us to, uh, to uh, blend religions and philosophies together. If you've ever had to clean a toilet, if, if, we, if we're not guarding our heart, if we're not letting God transform our heart and our mind, just do a deep work within us, then it's essentially like taking Lysol and spraying a toilet and washing the outside of it, but leaving a clog in it. And externally, Christianity, and maybe you've tried to do this too long, you just try to clean up the outside of your life. And God is saying, hey, you're actually a mess. Will you let me come in and do a work within you? Will you let me address the deeper issues? And this is something that we have to do on purpose. We know that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he did everything he needed to already to make us pure. We don't have to win a race. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to level up. It's as simple as confessing our sins to him. Jesus, I'm embarrassed to be in church today because this is what I did last night. Actually, that was today. It was three in the morning. And we feel like we need to punish ourselves before we'll let God 
work in our life, but you don't actually have to do that. A simple prayer. God, this is what I've done. And I ask you to forgive me. Gives him permission to come in and make you pure. But because we don't believe it could be that simple, we leave service, we leave church with our head hung low, with shame pressing down on us, and we think, I can't go back there. I'm not like those other people. And I want you to know I'm not better than you. I'm not different than you. What the people in the room where maybe their life has differed than yours is when they said, Jesus, will you make me pure? And he said, I'll do that. They didn't say, never mind, and then run out of the room. No, they let him into their mess. They let him into every part of their life. And little by little, piece by piece, they've been letting him, some for a couple of weeks, some for multiple decades. They've been on this path of becoming like Jesus. If you go to the gym this week, don't compare to yourself who, who essentially live there. Like, oh, why am I at this stupid gym? Look at everybody. There's so much more fit and understand. They know how to wipe down the machines. They know everything. Well, they've been doing it for how long? Don't compare yourself that way when you come here. Just let Jesus start the process in your life that he wants. Second thing about purity that I just want you to know, purity is possible. If we just talk about the sexual aspect of our lives, is it possible in today's culture to, to be pure? Absolutely. How do we know that? Well, a couple of things. If you're a follower of Jesus, what does Galatians chapter five say? It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one is self-control. The Holy Spirit, when you're following him, it may be a little weak, it may be little buds of fruit in the beginning of your life, but the Holy Spirit works in you as you're following him, as you're staying close to him, he produces self-control in your life. So even areas where you feel like, I've got no self-control, if you begin to follow Jesus, he'll produce self-control in those areas of your life. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. If you're purposeful about using God's word to guard your heart, you can walk in purity in the sexual areas of your life, no matter what the world is doing. You can follow him that way. And lastly, we've got to know and recognize that God's word is always working. Famous scripture in Isaiah chapter 55 says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. So when you read scripture, it always produces fruit in your life. When you sit under the preaching of God's word, it always produces word in your life. It will accomplish, it continues to read, all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's word 
will grow you and your heart and your life. And the last thing is this, that we've got to recognize purity is a process. That part of wholeness in our life, that part of going in our heart and recognizing, oh, this is an old thought, this is a new thought, this is thought that this is a, a thought and belief that I have that actually doesn't line up with the Bible at all. That's a process. Those things take time. All right, I started following Jesus when I was five years old. But it's been a long process to be where I am now. And the process will continue. We have a 50-hour travel time, for more than that, 52 hours from when we pull out of this parking lot till we finally land in Africa. There's going to be a lot of challenges in my patience, in my temper, in my comfort, in what I think I need and want and deserve in that 50-hour travel time this week. But thankfully, God's always working. He's always transforming. Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, says this, but who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For it will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. It's talking about the return of Jesus. If Jesus showed up right now, our, our response would be to want to hide. I shouldn't have worn this. What was I doing? I, he, I don't, why is, is today the day showing up? I shouldn't have done that last night. I shouldn't have gone there this week. I shouldn't have. What was I thinking? And we would be fearful. We'd want to run. We'd want to hide, much like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We'd want to stay far away from where he was. He is pure. He is holy. Verse number three says, he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Now in this scripture, he's talking about the sin that was in the people of God, in the Israelites at that time. But there's a, but there's a hope here. Because his refiner's fire it says, hey, I've called you to be pure silver. The Levites were people who, who ran the temple and instructed worship. I've called you to be pure silver, but you're not. When he shows up as a refining fire, he doesn't show up with one of those torches burning weeds. Like, I'm just going to execute you all. And put down some landscape rock. No. What he says is, no, you are still valuable. I'm going to come in with my refiner's fire, and I'm going to... It, it, there'll be some heat. There'll be, it'll feel uncomfortable. But if you'll go through that process, if you'll let me take you through that process, then when it's all done, all that crap that's in your heart and your mind and your life, it'll be gone. And I'm gonna restore you back to the holy people, to the holy person that I've created you to be. An amazing thing, one amazing scripture that I've, that, I've often, that I've wrestled with so many times, but when God looks at us after the cross, after we've confessed our sins, when God looks at us after we've decided to follow him, what does he see? He doesn't see our past, 
He doesn't see our reputation. He doesn't see those. Once we've confessed our sins, God looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Just as Jesus is holy, you're holy. Just as Jesus is holy, you can be holy. We don't run and hide. No, but we confess our sin to him. And I want to invite you to do that. If you'd be willing to, you don't have to, but if you close your eyes, I want to pray for you. And I want you to pray yourselves. To talk to God on your own as you sit right there. And just admit to him, this is what I've been doing. I've been telling everybody else that I've been following you, but, but, I've, but I've been doing all these other things. I confess that to you and I ask you to forgive me for that. Maybe you've never ever made a decision to follow him and as you sit right there in your seat thinking about this and you just feel it in your heart, in your stomach, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want you to forgive me, Jesus. Then you just tell him that. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, receive me. I believe that you're God's son. I ask you to be my savior. And when you pray that prayer, he forgives you of every sin you've ever done. He begins this process of transforming you and purifying you in every part of your life. And you now start a brand new life. Jesus said that when you pray that prayer and make the decision to follow him, it is so dramatic that it's like you've been born again. You're now learning a whole new way to live that he is gonna teach you and he is going to guide you in. Jesus, I pray for our church. I pray for those who are in Dover, in Milton, in Plymouth, for those who are joining us online. We're coming from all different places. Some of us, we've been saying we're following you, but we've got a lot of hidden sin going on in our life. And we're, we'd be afraid for someone to look at our phone and to scroll through it because we'd be embarrassed of what they might find. God, some of us are just trying to, we trust you, we believe in you, we love church, but we also, we're, we're, we've got all this other religious activity going on in our life too that is not of you because we're trying to make sure we've got all our bases covered. Forgive us for that. Jesus, some of you, we've just got some wrong thoughts on our mind. We just think, well, I just think God's like this, but, but we're not even looking, well, what does is, what is his word say? We just ask you, God, purify us, purify us, purify us. May every thought be in line with your word. May, may every action that flows out of our heart be in line with your word. Be, may we be like you, Jesus. And through that, may we see how beautiful it is to be children of God. May others see how beautiful it is to be children of God and be drawn to Jesus themselves because of how we've been whole in our life, because of how we've been pure in our life. Jesus, we love you. And we lift up your name. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.